Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nine o'clock in the morning, and uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And the reason we were playing Stand By Me with Benny King is that we have, at the present time, in the living room, where he has been on a number of occasions in his early career. We're going to say good morning to Stephen A., as I dubbed him, but you now know him as Stephen A. Smith. Good morning. What's going on, big time? How are you, sir? I am, How's everything? I am doing phenomenal. You know, you sound so much stronger, and, and you feel so much more comfortable. But you got to understand that you started with the kid. You were not that kind of person. You, you were kind of shy. And, and can I really kind of do this? Uh, and then I brought you into the living room, and, and you started getting confidence in yourself. And now there are so many different names that we can use to describe you. But uh, I picked up one right here at uh, WIP, and we can probably use it, the franchise at ESPN. Excuse me? Excuse me? The franchise at ESPN. Where'd you come from, boy? You called me. You called me a few names. You called me. A few, you called me a few names. I'm gonna just let you pick it. You know, you called me the black. You called me the. You were first to call me the black Howard Cosell. There you go. Um, you know, so I, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go away. If you want to call me the franchise, yes. I'll take it. Yeah, the franchise. And don't forget. Don't forget the other thing that we were able to do with you back in the day is that before you became known as Stephen A. I think I dropped that moniker on you as well. That is that is true. That is true. So that is true because I, I mean my my you know I did it, it started with um you know because at, at early part in elementary school and what have you um I, I had dyslexia and whatever and I was mm. I wasn't uh, very very confident obviously and then mm. as, as time and and as time went on you know I dedicated myself uh you know my mother you know God rest her soul yes. just. I, it was just phenomenal and, you know, stood by me and stayed on me and what have you. And so as a tribute to her when I was in college playing for Big House Games, mm-hmm. um, I used my byline, Stephen A. Smith, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, from some, from a guy that couldn't read and couldn't write to becoming a journalist. Oh, talk you know, to that, me. That, that was a tribute to my mother. Yes. But then I came, but then I came, and then I came from New York to Philly and when I first met you and you introduced me to John Cheney, uh, you said, well, we're just going to call you Stephen A. That's just <laughs> the way it's going to be. And so it went from there, you know, uh, just back, and, and that was that. Well, I wanted to get you on uh, first and foremost just to kind of have you in the living room. But secondly, I wanted to get you on because I'm in my 50th year of broadcasting, starting right. in 1969. And now that you and so many others of our ethnic background are involved, sometimes people don't understand what individuals had to do in order to lay the groundwork or the foundation so that we could have a cadre of individuals follow in the same footsteps. But as you know, Stephen A., people get amnesia. They don't remember. 
And in most cases, Black History Month is February, and probably the people that know least about black history is blacks in themselves. So let's talk about that. Well, I definitely think that's that's absolutely true. Um, you know, there are times that I, I have to acknowledge that, you know, I vacillate back and forth between, uh, you know, being compassionate, understanding that, you know, when you're a minority in this country, a member of a disenfranchised community, sometimes the hustle and bustle of things leave you preoccupied with, with, with the here and the now. And, and that might have something to do with not knowing your history, but in the same breath, where my frustration elevates, it's one thing to be ignorant and to not know history. It's another thing entirely to not even respect it once you are informed by it. And I think that that is a bigger problem for me. Um, Obviously, you want to know as much of your history as you possibly can. One of the things that you've always applauded about me was my willingness to listen and learn, to understand and appreciate what I don't know, um, and my willingness to learn from those who do. When I've given speeches throughout this country, I've religiously said, quote, I am brilliant because I know I am not. I learn from those who are, and I make sure to espouse the brilliance that they've laid upon me. I mean, I think that's the obligation of a younger generation on a come up, whether it's me learning from people like yourself and Big House Games and John McClendon and John Cheney, um, um, and to a lesser degree, Larry Brown and others, whether it's, it's somebody on a come up learning from me, you know, it's always good to learn as much as you possibly can, but more importantly, to acknowledge those who took the time to teach you and, and, and inform you of things you may not have known. And I think the thing that's incredibly alarming in this day and age is the absence of appreciation and the absence of respect for history, for historians, um, how important they were. Um, even when you do know, you don't appear to care because all that matters to you is the here and now. And those who paved the way for you don't seem to matter to you at all. When I think about the younger generation, I think that's a bigger problem more so than anything else. Anybody can be ignorant or oblivious to certain things. But once you do know and you still don't care and you're still devoid of the level of respect and deference, those who paved the way for you require based on what they have earned, I think that's a problem in and of itself because it's tantamount to simply not respecting your elders. And when that kind of stuff goes on in our society, that is never a good thing. Stephen A., let's talk a little bit about the business, Uh, the business that you're in now, and you're a giant in that business and deservedly so. But I'm going to talk about the business from 1972-73 when I first went to CBS TV. I'm going to talk about the business from 1969 when I first got the opportunity to be an analyst for the Philadelphia 76ers with uh, Andy Musser. And that's the other Mm -hmm. thing a lot of people tend to uh, not identify with is those who have embraced them, who have extended themselves to them, who saw something in them in order to encourage them to continue to do what they do. So I'm always invoking names of people along the way. Andy Musser was my original mentor, will always be. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He encouraged me when I needed encouragement in terms of the business. And therefore, as I moved on with the business, and particularly when I got to CBS and getting the opportunity to be in front of a mass audience, one of the things that I recognized that it was not about me, 
It was about us. It was how we present ourselves to an audience in 1972-73 that did not expose itself to a large degree to people from our background, had misconceptions of people from our background, and it was incumbent upon me, not that anybody told me this, the good Lord sent the message, how you conduct yourself, how you dress, how you talk, and how you interact, which gave a different perspective of who we were at that time in terms of the business. Jump on that. Well, well, I, I think that, you know, speaking from a personal perspective, um, you know, all the names that I mentioned from you, the Clarence Big House games and on down, um, always uh, emphasize those things. I don't even want to get started with how Coach Gaines would go off about how people spoke. Um, having a command of the English language or elocuting and articulating yourself in a fashion that says, you know, not not just whether or not you were educated or how educated were you, but that you were striving uh, to present yourself in an appropriate fashion because you weren't necessarily interested in white appeal or black appeal. You should be interested in mass appeal when you are about the business of communicating. That's really what it comes down to. But I'm not going to give anybody more credit uh, than I give, you know, my mama, uh, because she implored me to be that way from a very, very young age. You know, she talked about how you present yourself and how you look matters. It gives the impression of who you are and what you're about and what you're aiming for. You're never standing still. You're always going someplace. Are you going up or are you going down? Are you going backwards or are you going forwards? Sometimes when people are stuck in the moment and they're, they're trying to gravitate and acclimate themselves uh, to the modern-day environment that they're in, they're not recognizing the level of stagnancy that ultimately comes associated with that. All right, so the younger generation is, is, is doing this and it's doing it this way. My mother was the one that taught me, oh, do you think most of these folks employed themselves? You have to answer to someone you have to represent somebody. And if somebody represented you by doing what they wanted to do as opposed to what you wanted them to do or what would be most beneficial, how would you look at them? You would say to them, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I think that's one of the things that's going on in our industry. We've got a lot of people. Of course, when you're black, people try to pigeonhole you. People try to marginalize you. The old adage that you got to be twice as good to get half as much certainly applies. You have all these uphill battles and all of these challenges and all of these unfair circumstances that are placed before you. My mother never allowed it to be an excuse for me. She said, that's going to be a crutch. So what you're doing is you've got it all laid out for me why you're not going to be successful. So why are you living? Why are you out here trying to work and make something for yourself if you're going to automatically adopt the attitude that you have no chance? You can recognize the obstacles that lay before you, but you better be committed to overcoming them, to do all you can to achieve all you can. Because if you're shooting for the stars, you'll grasp and capture something. But if you've got a built-in excuse as to, as to why that's not going to happen, you've got no chance in hell of making things happen. And so when you have that kind of attitude, then, then folks who know history and folks who are alerted and aware about the challenges, the minefields, the pitfalls, the obstacles that lie before you, suddenly they will spot you 
and they don't just want to espouse their knowledge upon anybody. They want to espouse it upon people who are going to do something with it and make something of themselves because of it. Your mentor, Sonny Hill, who saw that in you and the kind of obstacles, he also absolutely anticipated without question the obstacles that you were going to have confronting you when you were working at CBS and you were growing in that business. You were one of the pioneers that was on national television, sitting alongside Brent Musburger. I remember that, and I was a kid. So there's, uh, you know, the, the Irv Crosses of the world, the Bryant Gumbles of the world, the Ed Bradleys of the world, the list goes on and on. I recognized all of that, and I just imagined at times the obstacles that they went through. And then I said to myself, you know something? How many times am I sitting in my seat so frustrated because there's so much more that I could have if I wasn't being marginalized, if I wasn't being doubted, if the politics of corporate America and beyond didn't invade my life. But instead, I imagine what others went through, and I'm reminded that in this day and age, regardless of those obstacles, which still exist, times are so much better in so many other areas that I have absolutely no excuse to have an ingrained excuse as to not succeeding. I'm going to march on and keep keeping on because those who came before me certainly did it under far, far more tougher terrain than I've ever had to endure. I think the important thing that you're talking about, Stephen A., is the fact that it's about reaching back. You've heard me speak about it many, many times. Recognize how we, you and I, because we're having the conversation, have gotten to where we are. But it's important that you reach back so you can touch other people as we have been touched mm -hmm. so that they can reach whatever it is that they're trying to do. Everything is not in this business per se that we're in. We're talking about life as a whole and how do you in turn deal with that. And that is a big part of what transpires with us on a daily basis. It's interesting because, you know, I mean, you know, contributing and, you know, to, to, you know, my alma mater, like Coach Gaines asked me to do, um, the, the kind of money I dedicate to them, the kind of time and, and, and resources I try to give to them. Uh, youngsters coming up in the business, always giving And you're talking about Winston-Salem State. That's right, yeah. Winston-Salem State. But I'm saying in general, youngsters, I remember one of, the, one of the things somebody was shocked by, these guys called the Sports Brothers in Miami, you know, they were on a come up trying to make things happen. And what happened, you know, they, you know, they, they were working a graveyard shift, Sonny, and doing, you know, being on the show from like one to six in the we, morning. We've been there. I started off on that graveyard here th uh, 32 right. years ago. So I know about that. that yes, that, that's right. So they're doing that. And they come up to me at a game years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm Stephen A. And, you know, we really wish that you could, you know, could we interview you or whatever the case may be? And, you know, one day they're on the phone a few days later and it's like two in the morning and their phone rang and it was me. And I called into their show. And next thing you know, because they were getting interviews like that, they ended up getting an afternoon drive show. And, you know, it's so many people that, you know, you, you do things like that for. But, well, again, whether it was you, the, the, the kind of things that John Cheney used to do for me, uh, Coach Big House Gaines uh, used to do for me. I want, you to, I want you to hold on to that, Steve, because, you know, in this business, we got to make some money. So yeah. we're going to come back on the other side and we're going to continue the dialogue with Stephen A. Uh, I'm proud to be a part of 94 WIP. Most people don't know that we reach over 31 million sports fans monthly. Where? 
right here at 94 WIP. The time is 9.16. And we're celebrating. What are we celebrating, Sonny? We're celebrating with Stephen A. Smith in reference to 50 years that I've been in broadcasting. And we will be talking about it throughout 2019. And we're going to celebrate it the latter part of the year. And we're going to bring a number of people, Stephen A., that have been a part of how fortunate, key word, listen to what I'm saying, how fortunate I have been to have touched so many that have passed through and are now doing their thing. For example, Stephen A. from the Enquirer. You there? Yes, I am. I'm right here, sir. Okay. I heard some rattling in the background. Now, that was me making some tea, man. That's you know me. I love my tea. And I, and I know what I have in here? I have some hot water with lemon, <laughs> you know, to kind of get that well, voice. Well, people, people, people definitely need to know about your diet because there's very, very few people, you know, that look like you at your age. But, man, we all trying to get to where you at, my man. Stop it. Stop it. Now, you know. You know we see, all trying to get to where we hey, at. Hey, we all trying to get there. I hear you. But, you know, you know what you're saying to me now. What? I was going to talk. I, I was going to talk about some of the guys that followed you from the Enquirer that I took under wing. Mm-hmm. But before I do mm-hmm. that, let me drop this in. Where'd you learn to dress? I didn't hear you. Speak. Hello. 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 Come talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. You're not getting credit for that. You're not getting credit for that one. No. 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 Here's the deal, Sunny Hill. You implored me to dress sharp. But I'm going to shock you with this. Do you know who I have to give the most credit to for how I dress? It's, 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 it's about three people, and they're all in Philadelphia. Are you ready for this? Come on Pat with it. But Croce, who? Pat Croce, Pat Croce, Larry Brown, and Billy King. And you, by the way, Aaron and Aaron McKee. You mean to tell yeah. me that you would put them in the same category with the way that I dress all the time? Let me explain. Let me explain. You better do some explaining you, on the radio. You implored me to look professional mm-hmm. and dress for where I was going, mm-hmm. not where I am. Mm-hmm. So generically speaking, in terms of imploring one to do that, even though I was that way before I arrived in Philadelphia because of mama, there you go. Nobody gets more credit there than you her. Go. Okay. The bottom line is the bottom line is you implored me to take it to another level. But mm-hmm. let me tell you a real quick story. Mm-hmm. So one day I showed up to work and and Larry Brown looked at me and said, those shoes, Stephen, I got to tell you, Stephen, uh, you got to do better. I was like, what? You know, so next thing I know, I go and I decide. I'm because Pat Croce and Billy King were laughing at me, and they all used to tease me. And so I go to Nordstrom's inside of King of Prussia Mall. And when I get there, there's literally someone. This is before I'm on TV now. I don't know how they knew me. But I literally get to the bottom of the stairs, the the escalator. And there's a gentleman waiting for me. He said, are you you Stephen A. Smith of the Philadelphia Inquirer? And I was like, yeah. He said, Pat Croce told us to expect you. I was like, what? And the next thing you know, he had these shoes for me, these Italian, sharp Italian shoes. And they were like 
$600, and I almost, I almost, I'm, I mean, my mouth almost dropped to the floor because back at that time, I wasn't trying to spend that kind of money. And they said, Pat Croce said he don't want to hear it. Take these damn shoes. You're going to pay for it. And you're going to value them. And then once I got the shoes, all of a sudden, Larry Brown pointed out the suit. And then after that, Billy King used to tease me all the time about how I could upgrade. And then after that, when I tried to upgrade, Aaron McKee with his sharp dress and stuff used to walk into the arena every day, suited and booted, and would look at me, uh, like, look up and down, like, look at me. Do you see how good I look? You wish you could look this good. That kind of look is what Aaron McKee used to give me to tease me all the time. And from that moment forward, I said, I'm going to be the best dress sports writer in America. It's not going to be a doubt. And to be quite honest with you, Sonny, I think I've arrived. I don't think there's a sports writer in America that dresses better than me. Well, I'm going I'm to leave it as is from that point of view. Let's visit your days at the Enquirer and the things that transpired. And when things were not as well as they should have been, how I arrived again to make sure that we kept what was going on relevant. Well, I mean, listen, you know, you're at a place long enough. I was at the Philadelphia Choir for 17 years. Correct. And I mean, everybody from Rosie, Robert Rosenthal to Philip Dixon, uh, to to the great Mike Bruton, who was an incredible mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And, he was always there on a day-to-day basis watching my back and doing what he could. Of course, I always had you to pick. I could pick up the phone and receive counsel. And where somebody like you was so pivotal is that you always kept my eyes on the prize. And it was always, always, always big picture with you. Uh, you will not, you simply will not allow somebody to blow opportunities and to throw their life away just for an immediate emotion. You're always cognizant of that. I mean, if there's anything that, that I, could, I could peel from you above all else is that you will always and have always been about the big picture. You are the kind of person that sees the forest from the trees, and you say, okay, you do this, this is what it's going to cost you. You do that, this is the price you're going to pay. Is it really worth what you're going after here? Why would you do that if it's going to compromise this? You were always, always very big on that. Anybody that comes to Sunny Hill and, and you're looking for somebody, because, you know, we all do that, because we get caught up in our emotions. We get caught up in a moment. We're angry. We're furious. We're, you know, we're, we're just whatever it is that we are at that particular emotional moment in time. If you go to Sunny Hill and you are looking for somebody to give you the okay to react in the moment, even though there's going to be repercussions down the line that inhibit your ability to achieve the bigger goal, you're wasting your time. Sunny Hill's not co-signing that. Sunny Hill is the type of person that's going to frustrate the living hell out of you with the truth. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, okay, you know better than that. And you're not going to do that because this is what it's going to, this is how it's going to harm you. This is how it's going to derail what your ultimate goal is. And I'm not going to let you shed or shred 
all of these years of work you put in to get to this moment. And certainly that was applicable uh, in my experience at the Philadelphia Inquirer. There were some trials and tribulations. The people that I mentioned were phenomenal to me. Uh, Rob King, who ultimately became deputy sports editor, was very, very good to me. Several people, the people that I mentioned before, were incredibly good to me. My colleagues that are still there, like Bob Ford and others, I mean, the great Bill Lyon and you know, so many others were so kind and so supportive uh, of me throughout the years, and my gratitude to them knows no bounds. Uh, but in terms of the Philadelphia Inquirer, it was about my man Mike Bruton and Ace Moore, the late, great Ace Moore, God rest his soul. No one were more big brothers to me at the Philadelphia Inquirer and father-like figures than they were. And obviously outside of the walls of the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, people like yourself. It's just that at the end of the day, what it comes down to is those experiences were wonderful. I wouldn't trade any of them for anything in the world because it made me the professional and helped elevate me into the man that I am today, and I'm grateful for that. But there were trials and tribulations. There were ups and downs. There were those corporate America battles and beyond. There was envy and jealousy in the end. There was a lot of that stuff that went on, but it wasn't with the people that I mentioned. Well, the reason I wanted to raise that is because, again, it's about the journey. It's about what you have to go through and the people along the way who embrace you as an in, not you per se, Stephen A., I'm talking about collectively. And many Mm -hmm. times we miss the message because of the fact that we don't hear the message as you have clarified in terms of what you said. People move ahead and forget that people help them to get to where they are and therefore, there's no opportunity for the door to be open so others can pass through and get the same kind of recognition or the opportunities that are afforded to them. But I, don't comp- I don't comprehend people who are like that. Um, mm. Nobody's gotten anywhere, uh, you know, from a successful pers- perspective, of course. Nobody's gotten anywhere in life without help. Everybody needs somebody. There's always somebody who came before you that provided some kind of motivation, impetus, advice, and counsel, et cetera, to help get you where you are. And along your journey, um, if you forget those people, if you act like they didn't do anything for you, you got a problem. And that's, a, that, that's an internal problem. That's a, that's a problem with that specific individual because, you know, to me, no one, I don't know of anyone, anybody in life, who can literally say, I did this all by myself. I got here Let me just stop you right there. But that is the word that you hear in most case, as opposed to what we're talking about and how you have a, a, a grown and you identify with those going all the way back to your childhood. And I hear you talk about your mother, and you know I've had conversations with your mother. I had our conversation when she was going through her health problems. I had conversation with you, which helped to soothe some of the things that was going on at that point. So many times, this is the way I look at it, many times we don't move forward as we should simply because we don't reach back enough to understand what you and I are talking about at the present time. Yes, that is true. But I also think it's important to recognize that, when you are scratching and you are clawing, and I'm certainly not here to, to, to make any excuse for people who forget those who lent the helping hand because we never should. And that is obviously the case. 
I do believe in terms of what I encounter, being in the position that I'm in, having so many people, you know, come in my direction. You have conversations. You provide counsel and advice, you know, but you do have others who look at you as a competitor. They want to get to where you are, and their definition of success is taking what you got instead of piling on to what you have. You have some people who view you as the enemy. I'm telling you, you would know this better than most, Sonny. You have people who want to look at you, and they resent the fact that you know what you know, you've accomplished what you've accomplished, you've had longevity that they haven't had yet, you've been able to sustain the level of success that they never even accomplished. You have people, rather than appreciating you, resent you for it. And the why matters sometimes. Sometimes because you're stuck in that muck and mire and you're scratching and clawing and people who don't come from your community are convincing you that that's the only way to be successful. So you got to watch out for those minefields. There's no question about that. You've got to have enough core decency within yourself to recognize nobody got to where they are by themselves, that there's always a helping hand that was extended to them that enabled them to, you know, really move forward and to achieve. But in the same breath, it's also understanding that sometimes this grind is exactly that, a grind. And unfortunately, what I find in my personal experience of having to deal with so many things in my life and being exposed to all the things that I've been exposed to, there are some people, Sonny, and you know this, there are some people that just ain't made for the grind. They can't see beyond themselves because they're so stuck in the muck and mire of their daily grind, that their literal, their, their literal definition of air, of the ability to breathe, is simply getting through the day. And when you're dealing with things systemically that supports you thinking that way, because they're constantly heaping things on your shoulders, forcing everything to be an uphill grind, sometimes people just having the ability to exhale is all they're shooting for. It's unfortunate, but it happens throughout our lives, and it's something that we can't ignore, man, because I see it every day. I need you to stop right there, Stephen A. It's commercial break time to make some money for the station, and it's time for me to continue to be here for a long period of time. WIP is an intercom station, and we are the unrivaled leader in sport. What does that mean? We are the best. The time is... 9.36. And uh, we have Stephen A. in the living room. Not the first time, yes, not sir. the last time, but going way back in terms of what's going on. Stephen, I want to drop a few names on you of people yes, that sir. I've had the privilege and pleasure of touching along the way that you know, among others. But how about from the Philadelphia Inquirer? How about Gary Howard? Uh, that's my brother right there. There you go. Um, Former former deputy sports editor mm-hmm. uh, for the Milwaukee for Philadelphia Daily News uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yep. Former executive sports editor. He was uh, one of only uh, three or four black sports editors in the United States of America. Yep. He was in Milwaukee. Um, he's also the guy that played an incredibly pivotal role in bringing me to the Philadelphia Inquirer from the New York Daily News. You know, I didn't I didn't know that. You just yeah, dropped um, a nugget in. I didn't know that you started in New York. No, I started as a high school reporter for the New York Daily News. Stop it. That's Uh, good information. 
Go ahead. But I was only I was only there for 14 months. It's okay. Uh, what what happened was no 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 it was it was the beautiful thing. What I'm saying is that it was a blizzard that took place in New York and and Philly. Mm-hmm. It was a snowstorm, and Gary Howard's uh, writer could not get to a Drexel game against Hofstra, so he called. Uh, one of my deputy sports editors at the time for the New York Daily News uh, named Leon Carter. And he asked if you had a reporter. And so Gary, Leon put me on the phone with Gary and Gary said, could you do this for me? And I told him in my sleep, what do you need? Yes. He said, I need you to go out and, and cover this game and ra- write a game story. And I wrote a game story for him. And he called it one of the greatest game stories he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And immediately put my name in the hat for a job with the Philadelphia Inquirer and ultimately both the Philadelphia Daily News and the Philadelphia Inquirer at the time wanted me and the Inquirer uh, ultimately did. Initially there was a delay. And then when they thought I was going to go to the Philadelphia Daily News, uh, they, they came back and they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And I started my career in October of 1994. Um, at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Didn't know that. How about another one? David Aldrich. Uh, another one of my brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing an outstanding job for TNT and NBA TV. Uh, was a reporter in Philadelphia. Uh, had been a reporter for years with the Washington Post. Um, as thorough as they come. As decent as they come. A really, really good guy. Uh, we don't get to hang out that much anymore with our schedules or whatever. But a lot of love and respect for him as well. And the reason I'm throwing a few of those names out there, there are people that I've had the privilege and pleasure, notice how I always say that, of touching along the way. How about on a national level, James Brown? And we're not well, talking about the godfather I mean, soul. We're talking about look, James look, Brown. J, J, JB is JB. Mm-hmm. I will jokingly say this, and I say this, mm-hmm. I say this with all the love and affection in the world, and JB knows this. I'm never, ever, ever worried about my hairline. After what after oh, looking yes. at JB, yes. I always, I always I'm I like it. you got a lot of nerves it. mentioned to me. You got a lot of nerves mentioned to me in the same breath as you with that hairline, brother. <laughs> uh, but 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 he's a phenomenal and consummate professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mentioned names like the great Bryant Gumble and the late great Ed Bradley and mm-hmm. people like that. Um, of course, Mike Wilbon is one of my brothers, one of the most beautiful human mm-hmm. beings you'll ever meet in your life, and just an incredible columnist for the Washington Post for many years. Uh, even while he was having PTI fame as well, pardon the interruption of ESPN and all of that stuff. Uh, but one of the names, you know, the late, great Stuart Scott and others, mm-hmm. uh, 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 John Saunders, God rest their souls as well. I miss them dearly, my colleagues at ESPN. But people don't mention JB enough. Mm-hmm. JB, whether it was Fox, whether it was CBS or a host of other opportunities, JB has been a model of consistency. Um, an exemplary professionalism throughout his career. And there's a reason why he's sitting in that chair, sitting in that seat as he has all of these years. Uh, and, and as decent and as kind of a man as you'll ever find, who never hesitates to reach back and to give back. He has certainly advised me on many occasions in my career. I mean, I love him dearly and I thank him for all he's done for me as well. Let me drop this in before we forget to do this. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, is a guest on the Schwartz-Colleton guest line. Injured at work? Get justice. Call Schwartz-Colleton at 800-JUSTICE. Stephen A., I want to bounce into something else. Mm-hmm. And I want you to t- 
take it from this point of view. You know the name Ed Snyder. Yes, I do. And I had the uh, opportunity to introduce you to him and also Peter Luco, who at that time mm-hmm. was his right-hand guy, so that you could make sure that you could you could you could move around in terms of what's going on uh, from that point of view within the building and feeling comfortable and whatever. Well, the Philadelphia sports writers had the 115th dinner this past week. And on Monday, they gave to me the Ed Snyder Lifetime Humanitarian Award. And it meant so much Mm. to me because, as you know, Ed and I, everybody calls him Mr. Snyder, Ed and I had a personal relationship second to none and has been very instrumental in my career, not only in broadcasting, as he owned this radio station back in the day when I started here, uh, and also the fact that he was the owner and the person that was most instrumental in building not only the core states, which is now uh, the, the Wells Fargo, but people don't know this. When the building first opened, they have a tradition of having the workers and everybody be a part of it. Ed Snyder selected me to be the MC of Ray Charles, who was the entertainment in terms of what goes on. And I want to mention that because, again, Stephen A., when we don't understand how we get to where we are in this journey, it's a sad day because so many people make a difference. Well, I mean, listen, I I think that, uh, you know, one of the things, and it's interesting that you bring it up because I've only had, I only had one real conversation with Ed Snyder. Um, I interviewed him once, but I'm talking about an off the record conversation because as great as the man was, and it's undeniable what his contribution was to the Philadelphia sports community and beyond. Uh, when you look at some of the things, I mean, the, the Wells Fargo Center, once upon a time, the Wachovia Center, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that those buildings being built had a lot to do with Ed Snyder, for crying out loud. Ed Snyder did an awful lot uh, for the Philadelphia sports community, uh, and he was, a, he was a great, iconic figure in his own right uh, that deserves our respect and our homage, and there is no question about that, and we miss him. But let me be very, very clear. I, I always appreciated the conversation that we had because um, – he didn't like me very much, you know, when I was covering his Sixers because he thought that at times I was I was just too critical. And I looked at Ed one day. We had this conversation real quick, and I said, Ed, would you really, really have me any other way? I said, you got to call it as you see it. I said, you can disagree with me. I said, but I'm saying that from this 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 view, whether it's bird's eye or beyond, we all feel the way that we feel. Why sugarcoat it? Why hide it? Why come up in somebody's face and smile and act like you feel differently than what you feel? I said, we can have honest conversations. And, you know, he really, really appreciated that because I don't know if anybody had ever told him that, but that was my real issue. I would say to him, Ed, I know you're great. I know you're great. And at the end of the day, you're going to be great. But I remember I told him this, Sonny. I said, Ed, do you want soap operas? He said, why would you ask me those questions? And I said, did you know that the stars of soap operas get shot, they get stabbed, you know, they go into, they get illnesses, they go into a coma, anything can happen. Did you know they're going to still live, Ed? Did you know that they're going to still be the stars of the show? I said, that's how it works. I said, it doesn't stop you from telling the story. You might be great, and the things you've accomplished might be great, and the entities that you've touched and built 
may end up being great if they're not great already. But there's always a story to tell along the way, and I'm here to tell that story. And from that moment forward, we never had a problem. Well, you know why? Because it's a man's man, and he enjoys confrontation. He enjoys speaking in the manner that you and he had conversation. And from that point on, he had a lot of respect for you in terms of what goes on because that's the kind of person Ed Snyder was. We're going to have to wrap it up, buddy. I I can't say thank you enough for, you know, sharing this hour with me in the living room, revisiting some of the things that started right here in the living room back in the day when you matriculated from Mm -hmm. the New York newspaper to Philadelphia, (laughs) which I didn't know. The fact that Coach Big House Gaines told you, say, when you get to Philadelphia, what did he tell you? Look up Sunny Hill. Thank you. And when he when you said that to me, what did I do? You said we have a relationship. I put my arm around you, you and said, I embraced you, you and said, I said, you, you are you my man. That's right. That's what you said. And that's, that's, what, and that's what it's all about. And closing, here's one of the things that I said to you as well. I said, in this business, it is sometime not what everybody thinks it should be, and you may not be around for a long time. So I said to you, as I said to many of the other individuals I've come in contact with, not only in broadcasting, but in basketball, sports, life, whatever it may be, make sure you're doing this, me and you. Make sure you're taking care of the money, baby, because when it's over, hello, it's over. And you won't be bitter if you saved and invested. And guess what? what? And guess what? You got a big smile on your face and you're wearing those expensive suits. And when I see you on TV, I don't care what it is, or I see you when you come to the arena, I say, hey, that's my man, and I love you for that. Appreciate you, Sonny. Thank you so much, man, and congratulations on 50 years. Keep it going. Keep setting the example, my man. We'll be back in touch when we get ready to do something at the end of the year. You'll be in the forefront of it. All right. You take it easy. Love you. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye. Good. That's Stephen A., and he's been with us for an hour for those who are just joining in. And when you have the kind of schedule that he has to give up an hour when you are the man, that's a lot of time. So it tells you all you need to know. And that's the beginning of a segment that we're going to continue to do over the next year of 2019. Those who have had the privilege and pleasure of touching along the way, making a difference in their lives, and helping them to be where they are today, we're going to revisit a lot of that. Coming up next is Glenn and Ray from ShopRite in Williamstown, New Jersey. I can't say thank you enough in terms of my producer. We're talking about Phil Jackson and my executive producer, TM. Without her, I would not be able to do the things that I've been able to do because she laid out everything for me, not only in terms of this show, but the shows that I do. So it takes people to make it possible for Sunny Hill to bring you what we do every Sunday in the living room. And with that being said, enough has been said. See you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.